A strong biblical foundation is the baseline for Christian growth. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell challenges us to build on principles from God's Word. This was the message of Jesus to the church. He said, as many as I love, therefore, I rebuke and chasten. God doesn't chasten just for fun. God is not up in heaven hoping that you have a bad day tomorrow. But he says, I love you too much that if you become filled with pride, if you neglect me, then chastening may come into your life. He says, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Spiritual discipline sounds great in theory, but putting it into practice takes time and determination. In our series, Building Below the Baseline, Pastor Chapel illustrates the importance of building the part of life that no one else sees, but God. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. Our churches and homes today need Christians willing to build their lives on eternal truth rather than worldly trends. Our series today is designed to give us practical lessons that will help us pursue a life marked by biblical wisdom. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chapel with part two of a message called Building Repentance. Now it is in this section of the chapter that we see something happening in David's heart. We see that there is a change of heart as soon as he realizes that God is displeased. And may I just say tonight, we live in an age of grace. We have been saved by grace. We're going to go to heaven because of grace. But God is still displeased with sin. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be faithful. Every one of us tonight should desire to please the Lord in our life. And God says to David that he was displeased. And so David said unto God, verse 8, I have sinned greatly. Notice when it comes to repentance, the first facet of repentance is that we must acknowledge our sin. David acknowledged his sin. And he makes an appeal concerning what he has done. And it is an appeal of repentance and confession of his sin. And he beseeches God to remove uh, the effect of it from his life. David went to the right place, did he not? He went directly to the Lord. David repented before the Lord, the Bible says in 2 Samuel 24, 10. And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly and that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. This scripture tells us he was smitten. Literally, he was punched in the heart. Literally, he felt unworthy. He felt that he had done wrong. It was a burden. It was a pressure on his heart. When someone is repentant, that, that proud, going to do it my way, don't care what anybody says, that, that spirit of hilarity of, of the world suddenly is, explained away, is, is exchanged away with a sense of burden, smitten in the heart, heaviness. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. You'll see it with one man who, when confronted with the sin related to his vows given to his wife, commences to say how terrible she is and how he just, in his own justifiable mindset, did what he did. And then in another man 
who with weeping and a burdened heart admits, repents before God, repents before his family and says, I have sinned. It's as though I've been smitten in my heart. I can feel the burden of my sin. One is repentance. One is not. Psalm 51 and 4, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And David obviously wanted the sin itself to be removed. He wanted the penalty as well to be removed. And the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, repentance literally is siding with God against yourself. Repentance happens when a man who's been having it his way, doing it his way, he's been uh, going along thinking he is all right and it doesn't matter uh, what someone else says, what the Bible says and so forth. And he is the ultimate authority in his proud sense. Now, he sides with God and he says, God, you are right and I'm wrong. That's what repentance is. Repentance is siding with God against yourself. Let's say that together. Repentance is siding with God. David was putting his confidence not in the Lord, but in himself. He had to acknowledge his sin. And then he had to accept his consequences. The Bible tells us in verse number 13, And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me now fall into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies. By the way, how many of you would say, good answer, David? (laughs) I mean, cling to the mercy of God in this moment. I heard about a shoplifter that had been notorious in the city for shoplifting. He got saved. He wrote to a department store. He said, I have been saved. And he said, I've been feeling guilty ever since I got saved about shoplifting from your store. And he said, I want to return this $100 to you uh, that I have stolen from your store. And then he said, P.S., if I continue to feel guilty, I'll send the other $100. Not quite fully repentant. David was fully repentant. David accepted the consequences. David said, I'll not fall into man's hand, I'll fall into God's hand. Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. This was the message of Jesus to the church. He said, as many as I love, therefore, I rebuke and chasten. God doesn't chasten just for fun. God is not up in heaven hoping that you have a bad day tomorrow. He's not, he's not wanting uh, to chasten your life. But he says, I love you too much that if you become filled with pride, if you neglect me, then chastening may come into your life. He says... Be zealous, therefore, and repent so that he doesn't have to bring chastening into our life. David acknowledged his sin. David accepted the consequences. But then I want you to see what David did as a leader. He interceded for his people. Notice in verse 16, And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem, Then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commandeth the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Now, David, in his repentance, did not blame shift. 
David did not do what Adam did. David did not say the woman that thou gavest me. David did not do what so many of us might do. Well, you know, I, I just had to do that because, uh, you know, my husband is the way he is. And, you know, churches are the way they are. And, and uh, people are the way they are. And circumstances are the way they are. Listen, you want to hear the stories? Visit a local prison. You'll find, firstly, that very few people will admit that they are really responsible for what they've done. David did not blame shift. David went right before the Lord and he said, God, wasn't it me that did this? God, it's not these people that did it. God, don't bring this upon our children. Don't bring this upon the next generation. God, it's me. It's me that sinned. God, please, I come to you interceding for the people. True repentance doesn't blame others. We see the rebellion of David. We see the repentance of David. Now notice thirdly with me tonight, the remembrance of David. The remembrance of David. David, as he's coming to spiritual consciousness, begins the road back. And I want you to see in verse 18, Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, Gad was the prophet, to say to David, that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Often in the Old Testament, blood was shed for the sin. Many lambs, many rams had their blood shed for the sin of the people. How many of you are thankful tonight that the Lamb of God paid that price for all of us? But in this instance, the prophet said, then go up to Ornan's threshing floor. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it thee and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for the burnt offerings and the threshing instruments for the wood and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. Now notice David is going to be involved in a costly sacrifice. David is commanded to make an offer and Gad the prophet has said, David, I want you to give an offering unto the Lord for your sin. I want you to bring this offering to Ornan's threshing floor and make your offering. And the Bible is very clear that there would be a sacrifice needed as a part of his repentance. Now that is not a mandate in the New Testament era, but I want you to see that it is indicative of a repentant heart that we're willing to follow the direction of God. And in this case, it was to offer the sacrifice at Ornan's threshing floor. I heard of a pig and a hen that were walking down the road when they saw a poster advertising a harvest supper. And it said that ham and eggs would be served. And the hen said to the pig, how nice it is that we can help the minister at this harvest supper. But the pig replied, it's all very well for you, for you'll be making a contribution, but I'll be making a sacrifice. David was not about to make just a contribution. What we're talking about, the purchase, the setting up of the altar would require great sacrifice from David. David request to build the altar. And we read about this in, through verse number 23. He speaks to 
Ornan, it would be a costly event, and Ornan offers to provide for the event, and he even offers to give to his king uh, the very place of the threshing floor. But we see that this was to be a personal sacrifice, that it would be something personal that David would himself contribute. Verse 24 says, And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not make that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of a burnt offering. Now Ornan's threshing floor literally, if we were to find it in a map of our Old Testament city of Jerusalem, is located at the mount called Mount Moriah. It is called today the Temple Mount. And one of the reasons that we believe that that Temple Mount uh, should be the worship site of the Holy of Holies in the sense of the Jewish Temple is not only because the land was offered and given to Abraham, but also because the land was purchased by David. And this is the place where it was rightfully purchased. And of course today there is a mosque sitting on top of this particular place that was purchased by uh, the king. But nevertheless we see it was now purchased by David. David simply is saying in this moment, I refuse to take something that is given to me and then give it as my offering. I refuse to offer to God that which cost me nothing. And we see again and again and again in the Bible, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, to their power and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves to give an offering. And so we see in the scripture there is a principle that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. And David said, I'm not going to do something for God that costs me nothing. He said, I'll pay you for this threshing floor. Philippians 4.18, but I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. In the 17th century, there was a particular moment when Lord Oliver Cromwell, the Lord Protector of England, heard that one of his soldiers had been involved in a dastardly deed, and he set forth the edict that for this dastardly deed, the soldier would be shot at curfew. And so the time drew near for the curfew bell to ring, and about the time that the bell should ring, folks began to look around. There was no noise. There was no clanging of the bell. And someone looked up by the bell. There was movement of the rope, but there was no clanging of the bell. And after they stopped swinging the rope, and after a while of sensing that there was going to be no bell ringing that night for the curfew, there was a young woman discovered up in the bell, and she was brought by the soldiers to Lord Cromwell, and they discovered her face was bruised and bleeding, and her hands were broken, her body was bruised, and much of it was bleeding, for she had taken her body and wrapped it around the clanger so that there would be no noise made from that bell. It turned out she was the fiancé of the soldier that was to be killed. And Cromwell looked at the bruised and battered body and quickly issued a pardon because of the sacrifice that she had made. 
And I believe today that we serve a God that has made great sacrifice for us and He is pleased as Cromwell was pleased when sacrifice is made. A missionary in Africa was once asked if he really liked doing what he did. Do you enjoy this adventure of being a missionary? His response was shocking. He said, do I like this work? Do my wife and I like living on dirt? Do we have reasonably refined sensibilities? We do not like crawling into the vile huts through goat refuse. But as a man to do nothing for Christ that he does not like, God pity him if not. Liking or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to do and we have orders to go. The love of Jesus Christ constrains us. And you show me a church that will only do what it likes to do and only give what it is comfortable in giving and only do what we feel like we want to do. And I will show you a church that is stalled out and going nowhere for God. But show me a church that has the spirit of David, the spirit of the Macedonian Christians, and the spirit that we see throughout the New Testament. I'll show you a church that is mighty blessed of God. David refused to take Ornan's gift. David purchased the land for himself. The Bible tells us he bought it with his own money in verse 25. He didn't try to bargain with God. He wasn't looking for the easy way out. He didn't say, God, how about this? How about, you know, Ornan's willing to give it to me, but Ornan's a good guy. How about if I give him 300 shekels of gold? That way he gets the blessing and I get the blessing. No. He wanted this to be a love offering to God. People have different ideas about love offerings. I remember as a boy living in Korea, and our parents were missionaries, and we received support. That's, that's one of the reasons why I'm passionate about our missions program and our missions support being faithful, and we, we want to keep our commitments to our missionaries because I know what it's like living 9,000 miles from home and hoping that churches remember who you are so that you can get along with ministry and life. And I'll never forget that first Christmas in Korea. We all had things that we had hoped to get. And I remember one church had sent a box of presents. Boy, I was excited about those presents because it was nice to get things from Korea, but the Korean products were not fully developed now. In fact, back then, a Hyundai was just kind of a laughable, disposable car. Drive it for a year and take it to the dump. Now, anyone here would like to have a new Hyundai. But it was different then. The products were different. And so, we were happy to have some presents that my parents had bought in Korea. But when the box came from America, now that was something. And each of us had a couple gifts that were placed under the tree and you know, being a teenage boy at 15 years old, there were times when I'd kind of shake that box and try to figure out what it was. Like, man, a church in the States remembered us. And knowing that it's from America, I mean, that's the land of milk and honey. This is going to be a good Christmas. I cannot wait. Some church really sacrificed for the missionary. They remembered us. That is so awesome. Well, I tell you what, I, it meant so much to me and my brother, and we'd kind of, you know, look at each other and look at those presents. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Boy, Christmas morning came. My mom and dad had all these presents ready. We didn't even want the presents for my mom and dad. We wanted the ones from that church in the States. Because that's where the good stuff, that's where Nordstrom's is. That's where Penny's is. You know, that's where the good stuff is. I'll never forget going to that bigger box and ripping the paper off and opening it up and pulling out that shirt that was made in Korea. 
seeing the cigarette burn right down below the pocket. It was kind of at an early age when I began to realize different people have different ideas of what sacrifice is. Different people have different ways of kind of negotiating with God about how they're going to have a part in being such a blessing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 2, to the Macedonians, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. You see, David, he refused the, he refused the gift of Ornan. He purchased the land sacrificially of himself. Thirdly, David offered his sacrifices to the Lord. Notice verse 26. And David built there an altar unto the, <laughs> unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of the burnt offering. How many of you would have loved to have been there? I don't know if we get to watch movies in heaven. I'd love to see that one. I'd love to see the fire coming down on the altars of Baal, and I'd love to see God uh, doing great miracles, just, just kind of watching that in the past. The Bible says, at that time David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Then he sacrificed there, for the tabernacle of the Lord which Moses made in the wilderness and the altar of the burnt offering were at the season in the high place of Gibeon. David offered to build the altar sacrificially. David offered the animals sacrificially. And I want you to see that this repentant heart of sacrifice, watch this, how many of you would agree with me, got the attention of God. God saw David's heart. And the, the thing that God wants is a contrite and a right spirit from us. Whether we're going to see another outpouring of hundreds saved and baptized at Lancaster Baptist Church, please understand this, is not predicated by the amount of square footage we build. It is predicated by the heart of repentance we bring. I talk to pastors every day of my life, and I talk to a lot of pastors who have this idea that if they build buildings, their church will grow. That is a very wrong assumption. Buildings don't build churches. God builds churches. And sometimes there's this idea that if we will make more room, then the growth will come. And certainly that's helpful. We understand that in one sense. But what God is looking for all through this from David was a heart that was tender, a heart that was repentant, a, a life that was sacrificial. And when David offered sacrificially to God, fire from heaven came down on the altar. And ladies and gentlemen, what we need in this church is fire from heaven to come down on this place. And soul winners on fire with God. And not going out a pitily few here and there. And no response, no result. What we need is the fire of God in our lives once again. I'll tell you what. You've been saved any length of time, you know. Without God touching it, it's not going to get done. The fire of God coming down from heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8.21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Somewhere below the baseline of your life. Somewhere in the foundational area of your life. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell. 
pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Chapel on Facebook or Twitter, go to paulchapel.com and click on his social media links. While you're there, be sure to sign up for his free Daily in the Word email devotional and take a look at all the helpful resources. Again, that's paulchapel.com. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.